Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. I am your co-host, Attorney Sean Bigley, and we're here with Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. Lindy, you know, some big news in the cleared world recently in uh, that the OPM breach has finally resulted in a settlement. uh, And I don't know that it requires a whole lot more explanation as to what specific breach I'm talking about. I think most people in the cleared community hear OPM breach and immediately know what that is. But for anybody listening who isn't familiar with it, Lindy, you want to give kind of just a real quick rundown of uh, what the backstory was on that? Yeah, well, there were a couple of high profile you know, breaches of the Office of Personnel Management security clearance records for security clearance holders, also involving the Office of Personnel Management and one of their key contractors supporting the space. And so this lawsuit basically comes out of that, I think, kind of years in the making of saying like, hey, all of that data that was compromised for more than 20 million people, SF-86 personal records, the lawsuit settlement addresses that. I know like for most security clearance holders, if you're like me, you got kind of the initial letter in the mail outlining that your data had been compromised, offering you some sort of credit monitoring service that you could sign up for through a website related to OPM. There was a contract that kind of funded that. Like most people, that was it. And we kind of forgot about it or forgot that it happened. I know it's in the news a lot now in the sense of the settlement. And also we know that they are still working to replace that system of record. Again, it was kind of through a contractor that that the compromise happened, but we just know that there is this legacy IT system that at this point now the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency has inherited. They're trying to fully replace that with this new National Background Investigation Services. But all that to say, if you applied for a security clearance within a, a key date range, you probably got a letter in the mail and you're your data was probably compromised. Now, unfortunately for folks that are looking for money from that settlement, I obviously reached out to my favorite legal counsel, you, Sean, to see if I could actually get some cash because I was hoping. So will security clearance holders actually get any money out of this thing? Well, sadly, I think it's going to be a a long shot for most of us. And I know that, you know, a lot of people hear class action settlement and the the dollar signs start showing. uh, But, you know, the reality is, most class action settlements, and I think you know most of us are are you know familiar with this, having gotten something in the mail at some point in our lives about a class action uh, involving you know a credit card or our bank or you know some consumer product that we've purchased, and it looks great on first blush. You know, you look at it and you say, "Wow, okay, you know, how much cash am I going to get?" And then you get the check, and it's like you know four cents. You know, the excitement quickly wears off. But this one, I think, looked promising to a lot of people. We all heard, "Wow, you know, seven hundred bucks. That's not chump change. That's a pretty decent amount." And so when I initially heard that, I thought, "Wow, okay, you know, this is the first class action settlement that I've seen that really actually compensates the victims more than just." these ridiculous little token amounts. But then, you know, you get into the fine print and you start realizing, wait a minute, it's not a windfall. It's not just a blanket award of cash. It's compensation for actual damages. And you really have to be able to show that you incurred some specific defined costs that you're basically getting reimbursed for. And so some examples of those things are you bought some sort of credit monitoring service on your own beyond what was provided by the government, uh, had to take time off to uh, remediate some sort of damage, uh, identity theft or something that could be reasonably attributed to the breach. 
those are the types of things where, you know, you would get some compensation, but even then you have to still be able to document that. So merely saying, well, you know, yes, I had some damages. Where's my money? That's not going to cut it. So the reality is, I think for most people who were affected by this, you know, including me also, by the way, I know you mentioned you were impacted too. I was one of the many, many recipients of those original letters. And I was pretty pissed at the time. I mean, I thought, how on earth does this happen of all people who you think are going to safeguard your personal data? It's the government. Here we are years later, and I don't think anybody has really been held to account. I don't really personally consider this accountability per se, because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's our tax dollars (laughs) that are, you know, paying for most of this stuff. But it's better than nothing, I guess, is is, <laughs> is the only thing I can come up to say with, uh, you know, to say about it. It's it's better than nothing. Um, but the reality is for a lot of people, they're not going to see a dime, uh, myself included, sadly. So it brings us back to a point that you raised earlier, which is this legacy. And I think that's a very diplomatic way of saying very outdated computer system that the government's been using for many decades. And when I was an investigator, 15 years ago, uh, I remember even back then that the computer system was extraordinarily outdated. I think that was kind of the the biggest takeaway that I had from new investigator training. I remember sitting there going, this is what the government's using as their background investigation system. For somebody who hasn't seen it, literally it was, it was the equivalent of, you know, the old, uh, black and white, uh, computers from like the nineties where you would sit and hunt and peck on the keyboard and the the green type, those real old Mac computers. I mean, that's basically what the government was still using up until very recently for their data processing and security in the personnel security program. And so, you know, it's, it's not a real shock that there was a compromise. Uh, it sounds like from what we're hearing, at least there are some finally pretty serious efforts underway to modernize yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have hoped that the OPM data breach would have really escalated uh, that push for IT, but that's what we've talked about for a long time over at Clearance Jobs. Like, I mean, it was really a gumshoe. I mean, old school, you're an investigator, you know, I mean, people are out with clipboards and paper and post-its gathering this information and just the system of record was not super robust, not really what we want for a modern personal security program. And I do think that they are trying to change that now. Like if you talk to the folks at DCSA, they will say that the big push now is to improve the technology. And they know that improving the technology really underpins all of the other changes that you have. And you can't go back and unfortunately rewrite history and remove all of the scourge of the, you know, 21.5 million people who lost their entire SF-86 records to China. But we can at least say for today, for applicants moving forward, for new folks that are going to be a part of this system, even the, the system that they're using to fill in your information, transitioning from eQuip to eApp to a more modern, anybody who's had to fill out the online, you know, security clearance form will appreciate that. Just having a more intuitive system is something that this process needs. I'm sure they knew it before the Office of the Personnel Management data breach, but hopefully that was somewhat of a step to say this has to change. And again, if you look into the nuts and bolts of it, I mean, that's why OPM is named in this lawsuit. A contractor involved was named in this lawsuit. This was another, like many data breaches, a compromise based on human error made possible by a system that was not tracking and, you know, channeling and and keeping data secure 
with the myriad ways that we have to keep data secure today. And you think about all of the things that, I mean, as you know, as an attorney, we most of our episodes talk about all of the kind of personal private things people do admit in the SF-86. Yeah, having all of that information in the hands of our adversaries is not something that I really enjoy thinking about, but it is, we know it's the reality of this. Have you seen other repercussions come up even for security clearance holders related to this data breach in any capacity? It's hard because, you know, to date, I don't think we've seen really a lot of direct cases where, you know, we can attribute to that specifically in terms of identity theft or other criminal activity. It's very hard when someone's identity is stolen to figure out where or how that information got out there. But that being said, I think, you know, one of the repercussions that has come out of this has been some greater anxiety, I guess, uh, maybe even paranoia in some cases on the part of clearance holders to protect their data. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. One of the things that I always have encouraged clearance holders to do, and I really doubled down on this after the OPM breach, put a security freeze on your credit reports, do that proactively. You know, if the government needs to pull your credit reports as part of the security clearance background investigation process, they can still do that. There's a way for them to do it even with a security freeze on. But if for some reason they can't, you know, they can just ask you, hey, can you release the security freeze for a while? And that was something back in the day that occasionally had to happen. Unless you're, you know, regularly applying for credit for some reason, it's, you know, a minor inconvenience to do this. It takes a little bit of time to put the security freeze on your accounts. But it's really just an extraordinarily effective way to guard your identity against these sorts of identity thefts and hacks and things like that. And it's something that I've done for years. You know, if you do need to go and get a car loan or apply for a mortgage or something like that, it takes literally a few minutes to temporarily lift the freeze. You can do it online. To me, it's like, why wouldn't you do that? It's just an extra step. Nobody can take out credit in your name. Nobody can open fraudulent accounts with a security freeze on the account. That's the, the whole idea. So that's definitely something that I think, uh, again, is is a good thing, perhaps a silver lining of this breach is I think it's made a lot of people wake up and realize, hey, my data really isn't that secure. If the government can lose it, my credit card company or my doctor's office or any merchant really that you're paying with a credit card at, they can lose it as well. That is the problem. We have so many data breaches layering on top of one another that tying a specific incident to even a single you know data breach is pretty tough. You know, even on the heels of the OPM data breach, we had the Equifax data breach and a lot of other things. So I feel like it's going to be a tough argument for a lot of security clearance holders to make to say, hey, they had their data compromised or had some kind of a monetary financial actual loss related to it. Like you, I was really hoping I was just going to get a $700 check in the mail, but you always have to read the fine print. I know everybody wants the money, but uh, sadly in, in the in the legal world, it's uh, not as easy to come by as we would like. So I guess the, the takeaway here is if you have, you know, documented expenses or you can document expenses, you know, go for it. Uh, see if you can get that money back. But otherwise, it's, it's probably not worth the time of uh, trying to chase those bucks. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.